I should not have been surprised that so many people failed to fathom what I was doing. So many appeared to think or were told that I was merely leaping from one subject to another, from architecture one minute to agriculture the next, as if I spent a morning saving the rainforest, then in the afternoon jumping to help young people start new businesses. What I've actually been trying to demonstrate is that all of these subjects are completely interrelated and that we have to look at the whole picture to understand the problems we face. For not only does it concern the way we treat the world around us, it is also to do with how we view ourselves. In all my efforts, I have tried to make it clear that all these subjects suffer the same problems because they have become detached from important basic principles. The principles that produce the active state of balance, which is just as vital to the health of the natural world as it is for human society. We call this active but balanced state harmony, and this book is dedicated to explaining how harmony works. It is a book in which I hope to share the results of much thought, observation and reflection over the past 30 or 40 years. I want to show what I've gained and achieved from studying the essential principles of harmony, how they work in nature, and how, if we ignore or flout them, the Earth's precious life support systems start to wobble and eventually may collapse. In some cases, they have already fallen into a perilous state. That is why our journey begins with a look at just what we are doing to our life-giving Earth after some two and a half centuries of intensive industrialization. We all hope for solutions, and that is why I want to end this journey by offering what might turn out to be a few of them. But the solutions must be understood in their proper context. I know from experience that if any solution is not deeply rooted in the right principles, it will be of no use in the long term. In fact, quite the contrary, it will tend to compound the problems we already have. That is why I also want to put our present situation in its true historical context. We have to realize that we are traveling on the wrong road, but we need to understand why. It is very strange that we carry on behaving as we do. If we were on a walk in a forest and found ourselves on the wrong path, then the last thing we would do is carry on walking in the wrong direction. We would instead retrace our steps go back to where we took the wrong turn and follow the right path. This is why I feel it is so important to offer not just an overview of our present situation and not just a list of the solutions. I certainly want the world to wake up to the fact that we are traveling in a very dangerous direction, but it is crucial that we retrace how this has come to be, otherwise we will not head onto a better path in the future. I would suggest that one of the major problems that increasingly confronts us is that the predominant mode of thinking keeps us firmly on this wrong path. When people talk of things like an environmental crisis or a financial crisis, what they are actually describing are the consequences of a much deeper problem, which comes down to what I would call a crisis of perception. It is the way we see the world that is ultimately at fault. If we simply concentrate on fixing the outward problems without paying attention to this central inner problem, 
then the deeper problem remains, and we will carry on casting around in the wilderness for the right path without a proper sense of where we took the wrong turning. That is why I wanted to put this book together. With Tony Juniper and Ian Skelly's help, I want to demonstrate that we have grown used to looking at the world in a particular way that obscures the danger of a very disconnected approach. All of the solutions I want to suggest depend for their success upon looking at the world in a different way. It is not strictly a new way, and that is why we will travel back in time to see the world as the ancients saw it. But it is a way of seeing things that stands very much at odds with what has become the only reasonable way of looking at the world. If that reaction starts to grow, then I urge you to hold on to one important fact, that this timeless view of things is rooted in the human condition and in human experience.